Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back to The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth here. And they said special guest. Well, actually, that's what uh, she means as well. It's Patricia Aberdeen out of Boston, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Going to be a great show. We've got, uh, let's see, just a few moments away, Jeffrey Gittimer, our sales trainer, uh, with us as well. Email takes over. And uh, Patrick Meyer, a little bit later on this hour, with Dynamic uh, Brand Assets, his part of the show called The Marketing Insider. So a lot of good stuff to... Uh, Well, I guess good reason to hang around for the next uh, close to an hour here with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. So what do you got there? Well, you know, uh, all the the hoopla about the Apple iPhone, Texterity Inc. recently rolled out a beta version of their first digital magazine interface and portal design for the what? Apple iPhone, of all things, right? Texterity uh, and a select group of publishers will offer free digital editions of more than 20 magazines designed for the iPhone uh, Safari browser. The magazine editions available for iPhone users include The American Lawyer, which I guess if you can afford the iPhone, you can afford The Lawyer, I suppose, and and, uh, Baseline, CIO Insight, uh, Industry Week, as well as Oracle uh, Magazine. But, you know, i got to tell you... uh, the, the the all the uh, hoopla about the iPhone apparently is backfiring a little bit because the numbers came out, uh, and they, I don't think they were supposed to come out, but they came out through uh, yeah. through their carrier, and there weren't as many signups as they had hoped for. Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, they want an arm and a leg for that thing too, as well. So I it's... think a lot of people are holding off, uh, wanting to you know see V two on that and let the bugs be worked out on the on the on the new version. Well, you know that's the... a scoop on Vista as well. It's like don't go near it, don't right. go near it. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that uh, that uh, that's word on the saying. street basically. Yeah, because there are too many bugs out there. Mm-hmm. Of course, those who fix Windows problems, they're probably saying, "Go get it, man! It's a great program." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, YouTube has uh, always been in the news, of course, with the uh, the Democratic debates, uh, the presidential debates, which were yeah. kind of cool. Although right. the cl- the candidates said some of these questions these people are asking are really mm. weird. Mm-hmm. But you know what, guys? That's who votes for you. That's <laughs> so, true. So for once, you got questions asked to you by the people who you might represent as it's president. The, so, right. boing, well, think about that for just a minute. Anyway, YouTube is uh, planning something new here. It's uh, basically they're hoping for video fingerprinting. Uh, uh, recognition technology will be in place hopefully by September, so just a few weeks away, to stop the uh, posting of copyrighted videos on the popular website. The uh, a lawyer, of uh, Philip Beck, told a U.S. district judge that YouTube was working very intensely and cooperating with major content providers on a video recognition te- technology as sophisticated as fingerprint technology the FBI now uses. She said the company plans to have the technology in place in the fall, hopefully in September. Hmm. Just in time for uh, all of the new videos that are coming yeah. out. Anyway. But basically, video tech, uh, recognition technology will allow those holding copyrights on videos 
to provide a digital fingerprint so that if anybody tries to share a copyrighted video, the system will shut it down within a minute or so. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, I, I guess that's a, a good thing. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, until then, first of all, I, I recall seeing something about that, and I know that uh, Viacom's got a, a $1 billion copyright infringement suit uh, against uh, right. uh, Google, parent company of YouTube. Right. And uh, apparently that... PR effort, you know, to say we have fingerprinting on the way, I think was an outgrowth of the of the uh, court situation there and trying Part to do a little ba- right, yeah. yeah, trying to do a little backpedaling there. But you know, until then, I suppose uh, copyright owners are, are are you know pretty much on their own, forced to do what they've always done with YouTube, which is you know call the violation to their attention and you know at which point youtube removes the video but until then you know there's still i don't know we'll see what happens i Mm -hmm. I frankly think it's not going to be easy trying to control copyrighted material on youtube or facebook or any of the other uh, social networks video social networks and they they also said this is youtube speaking in a response to the suit said if it goes beyond what is required under the digital Millennium Copyright Act, uh, which gives web hosts a protection from copyright lawsuits so long as they comply with requests to remove unauthorized material. Hmm. So uh, this will be interesting to see what happens. As right. Well. It's not like YouTube's posting it. It's their, their you know. Yeah, it's like, hello. Although you would think that as a host provider, you might want to have control over that. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. It's Jeffrey Gittimer on The Advertising Show. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. In case you hadn't noticed, email has taken over. If you don't think it has, try to be without yours for a day or two. Email is the fastest, easiest, surest way to communicate. Email is always there to help you remember what you said or who you need to see. Email is a way to communicate to thousands of people at once with just one click. Email is right now. In order for you to capture the opportunity of email and master it, you have to beware and be aware. Email is permanent. Many people have gone to jail based on evidence from recovered emails. So the first rule of email is, Every email is an impression of you. Misspelled words, poor grammar, and misuse of words like your, Y-O-U-R, and your, Y-O-U, apostrophe, R-E, are an immediate indication of not too bright. Here's some advice. The best way to get an unsolicited email opened is to ask a question in the subject line that's specific to the recipient. For example, rather than say, Dish Network is better than cable. You might ask, how much was your cable bill last month, and what did you get for it? Or a funny subject line like, hey, Baldy, that always gets my attention. Let me give you a little bit more short and sweet advice about email. Make yours short, make yours sweet, make yours to the point, and make sure that yours has some value. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad... 
It may be because your ad sucks. It's the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Patricia Aberdeen is about to join us here on the show. Uh, let me tell you, uh, Brad, a little bit about her so we can get her more of her during her interview segments. Patricia is one of the world's leading social forecasters for 25 years. She's uh, helped thousands of organizations and millions of people make the most of social change and transformation. She is co-author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Megatrends 2000. Patricia's newest book is now Megatrends 2010. Her next book will be Megatrends 2020. Uh, The Rise of uh, Conscious Capitalism. I know that. Uh, A blueprint of the social, economic, and spiritual trends transforming free enterprise. As the tagline promises, the book describes seven new trends that will transform how you live, work, and invest. So she's also an investment counselor in in a way. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So Patricia is out of Boston this weekend, and it sure is great to have her on the show. So we'll get her on here. In just a moment or so. It should be an interesting interview. She's got a lot to say. Interesting book. And John Naisbitt, uh, who uh, was co-author of the uh, world-renowned Megatrends, helped coin the term, I would imagine. Right. Uh, great, great, uh, great association there, I suppose. Real quickly, Ray, uh, we discussed a few a few shows ago about traveling by air. You just got back from a trip. I travel quite a bit myself. And, right, right. you know, it's all about the getting there hours earlier and the strip searches, which is your favorite. And then, the <laughs> of course, the remembering what items not to bring on board. But there's a company out called Men's Science is trying to alleviate some of the aggravation by making a prepackaged travel kit containing all of these items, Ray. Uh, they include right. shaving cream, daily, fra- uh, uh, excuse me, daily face wash and face face lotion, shampoo, deodorant, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the, here's the kicker. Yeah. We're all for convenience, right? Right. 78 bucks. What? We're in the wrong business, Ray. 75 bucks for this package, if you will. Uh, but in, handling. Yeah, okay. Well, in their defense, they also include a, a night sleep mask, uh, advanced uh, air, earplugs. And on the other hand, if you can afford $78 for this, hopefully your hotel will, would not require a sleep mask or a earplug, right? <laughs> I would prefer just to bring my own stuff. Thank you very yeah, much. Well, that's what I'm thinking. There you go. <laughs> Back with more on the advertising show here in just a moment. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh, these are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. Uh, as you can see, this one is a cola. It looks like a cola. You're on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and a special guest this weekend out of Boston. It's Patricia Aberdeen, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Was I right? Are you doing one 2020, Patricia? Uh, Not so sure about 2020, but, um, uh, but thanks for the tip. I, yeah. yeah, really. <laughs> right. I'll put in my order ca- for it right now, actually. It'll well, be good. He, he's securing the URL, so just in case you want to buy that, Ray will sell that back to you. <laughs> I bet he will. Yeah. You know, uh, interesting book. You. Ray and I both uh, had a chance to look it over uh, and, and really delve into it uh, prior to your appearance today, and I must uh, take my hat off to you. You did an outstanding job of really tackling a, a subject in a new and different way. Why don't we begin by defining, Patricia, conscious capitalism for us, Well, you know, first I want to tell you I love talking to advertising people because they have got to be tuned in to the megatrends. They've got to be tuned into the ethos of what society is going through. And and, uh, with all the megatrends books, they've given us a lot of support all the way. So it's really a pleasure to be talking to your audience. You know, conscious capitalism is a movement, 
and it's a mega trend, and it is a coherent, consistent alternative to the kind of capitalism we've known so far, which has been kind of classical sort of Milton Friedman capitalism. It's a, it's a new version of capitalism that a lot of people, millions of people, are very, very excited about. You know, I'm, I'm uh, sure that there are opponents to your ideas for improving business in a conscious capitalistic world that you identify. Are there any primary arguments against conscious techniques that you describe in your book that you've found out there, or do pretty much everyone go along with your ideas? Well, let's start with ca- capitalism itself. You know, capitalism as we've known it was defined by Milton Friedman in, in, very, in a very succinct way in an article that he wrote. He said, the social responsibility of business is to increase profits, period. And uh, that left a lot of people cold. Hmm. And as we move to, toward a period where people are worried about global warming, suddenly it looks as if corporations have a heck of a lot more social responsibility than that. And so along come the conscious capitalists, and they say, well, you know, we're interested in making money, too. We're interested in making profit. But we're systems thinkers, and the way we look at it, um, if, the, if the system is going to thrive, every component of the system, which would be the employees, the customers, as well as the investors, mm-hmm. have to be accorded their proper due. And, and conscious capitalists, the funny thing about it is that you'd think that they would be making less money than the classical capitalists who, who worry about profit all the time, but in reality, a fascinating new wave of research is showing that it's the conscious capitalists who care about the stakeholders, including the shareholders, who really succeed financially. You know, we're going to get into some examples that you cite in your book today, and we're going to also talk about the seven megatrends in particular that you discuss in your book. But staying with that idea that you just touched on for a moment, greed-fueling capitalism has been a longstanding assumption, I I think. And I'm curious, how did this notion of capitalism equaling uh, greed come about? Because I I sense that it wasn't always that way. I I look back... uh, uh, for example, post-World War II, where we were in a boom time, but yet I don't think greed was the, what was driving our economy. It was more new products and uh, the enjoyment of uh, a new way of life. Absolutely true. And and what a lot of old-timers will say uh, when I talk about conscious capitalism is, well, Patricia, you're just talking about good business, good good business sense, and and that's very true to a large extent. And and the funny thing about greed is um, this quote has been attributed to Goldman Sachs. I don't know if if this is exactly true, but it really gives you a fabulous snapshot onto the culture of Wall Street. Um, Goldman Sachs purportedly says, greed is okay as long as it's long-term greed. Hmm. so what's happened on Wall Street in the past, oh, I don't know, I'm going to say 20 years in particular, intensifying in the last five years, is this orientation towards short-term profit. Now, I've talked a lot about the economic success of conscious capitalist companies, and we should probably name names at some point, but um, I have to concede that if we're talking about just the next quarter, it is possible that classical capitalism that is to say, business that is operated exclusively for the purpose of making a profit just might succeed next quarter. But long term, 
couple of years, 10 years, the conscious capitalists have got the competition beaten. You know, we, we've talked many times here on the advertising show over the past almost six years about how Wall Street has driven uh, great advertising uh, off of the face of, of uh, television and other media because of the pressures of capital of uh, Wall Street to turn uh, for corporate America to turn a profit. So? And, so? Yeah, and the willingness or unwillingness to stick with uh, a campaign because you do not get the immediate gratification. Immediate that, gratification, isn't that yeah. interesting? <laughs> yeah. So that it affects it. It affects so many. Uh, different parts of a business uh, aspects of a company the power of spirituality one of your seven megatrends that you discuss in your book let's start before we wrap up this segment by defining or differentiating i uh, should perhaps say spirituality from religion i think a lot of people tend to associate the the two yeah yeah i'd be happy to do that and i'd i'd also like to say that Conscious capitalism, for me, has an element of spirituality to it. Now, a lot of folks have a more, an attitude of conscious capitalism that it's all about just about corporate social responsibility and that sort of thing. For me, the values component is extremely important because that's where the customers live. Mm-hmm. And so, so I talk about values-driven consumers, and we'll get, get into that later, but but spirituality is not religion. Spirituality is about the more private search for meaning and purpose in life, certainly with reference to, to God, to divinity, all of that, certainly. But religion is more of an institutional um, kind of approach to things. It's very denominational, whereas spirituality is universal. In, in nature, and that's extremely important when we get into all kinds of workplace and human relations stuff, because in the next decade, we are going to see the whole diversity issue be cast in terms of religion. You're going to be sitting, you're going to be working next to somebody who's maybe a Hindu, certainly probably a Muslim, and here's one little handy-dandy statistic for you, which is that... By the year 2010, that that year that I use in my book title, uh, Islam will replace Judaism as the number two religion in the United States of America. Doesn't that just symbolize just a huge shakeup in in what's going on around us culturally? Interesting to say the least. We'll continue here on the Advertising Show. Our special guest, Patricia Aberdeen out of Boston, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Advertising Show being powered by a really cool thing called Tendency. That's with an I. And it's uh, from the good folks at Schiphol.com, S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Ed Schiphol and his gang do a great job of helping us uh, uh, market this show uh, globally. So check it out, won't you? Back with more with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show in just a minute. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. 
with the dirt. Thanks for spending time with us here on the Advertising Show today with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth and a very special guest out of Boston, an author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise and Fall of Conscious Capitalism. It is Patricia Aberdeen. Patricia, welcome back to the show. Oh, well, uh, I'm happy to be back, but we won't have the fall of it yet. It's barely getting started. It's Conscious capitalism is going to evolve over the next two decades. And, and what John Nesbitt and I used to always talk about, how a megatrend would be was a large overarching direction in our society which is exactly why advertising people have to know what the megatrends are and we often said it, it would evolve over a decade or so i think that conscious capitalism is going to uh, play out over the next two decades yeah, uh, and you know, you mentioned uh, for for our listeners that are not familiar with the uh, the book, I'd encourage you to go to Amazon.com and and get yourself a copy. To go to your local bookstore, uh, the the seven megatrends uh, you discuss in your book, Patricia. I'm curious. I, I get a sense from having read your book that the one that you consider most important or most influential is the. Uh, and you mentioned it last segment, the values-driven consumer. And I want to spend some time uh, talking about the values-driven con- uh, consumer next segment. But before we do that, let's go ahead and jump in and start uh, naming some names. In the beginning of your book, you discuss Greg Merton's success as a result of his using uh, conscious techniques that you describe in your book. What are some of the other true-to-life examples of the results and some of the results of using these techniques that you can share with our audience today? Sure, I'd be delighted to. Um, we have only begun to import into business all of the tools and techniques that people have been using on their own personal or individual growth. Uh, Things like meditation, things like yoga, um, things like forgiveness training of all things. Um, Fred Luskin out of Stanford University is the world's leading authority in forgiveness training. Oddly enough, he was invited into American Express teach forgiveness training to stockbrokers. Um, whenever I say that, when I give a speech, people just burst out <laughs> laughing. and Because yeah. I, I, I always think to myself, I would think they would be te- they'd teach the forgiveness to the clients if they right. lost money, but <laughs> it didn't happen that way. <laughs> so anyway, um, Fred went in and he worked with these stockbrokers. He, he took his baseline statistics, and after a year of studying forgiveness, the productivity measured in a sort of a sales, a sales kind of metric that they use at American Express, had increased 60% compared to their peers who hadn't taken this training. So you say to yourself, well, what the heck is going on? Well, forgiveness teaches you this amazing thing, which is why all of these conscious techniques are going to be so useful in business. It teaches you to be present in the moment, to let go of maybe a grudge that you've had before. Let go of the argument you had with your teenage son at the dinner table that day. And just to be here and now. And so naturally, you're going to be able to listen to your customers better. You're going to be able to hear them, and you're going to be able to serve their needs, and that's going to increase your productivity. Well, certainly, if you're carrying anger, it's like uh, having a weight on your ankle. It's going to drag you down. It's not going to allow you to go ahead at all. That's true. And, you know, one of the most exciting trends that I talk about in the book is not even listed as one of the seven trends, and that is what I call the new economy of consciousness, whereby in a tech-driven economy, 
innovation is the most important thing. We hear this all the time in business, but what does it really mean? How do you innovate? The only way to innovate is through the genius of human consciousness and the capacity for a scientist, for an engineer, for a creative marketing person or advertising person to be creative and be in the present moment. And that's why, surprisingly, all of the tools and the techniques that people have learned in their personal life, on their spiritual journey, or just on their personal growth, have widespread use and significance in business. And it's a trend that is just barely getting started. We're going to see a lot more of it. Yeah, and I think uh, I really like the way you, you get in. I'd like to hear you talk a little bit more about innovation because most people, I think, tend to see an, or envision a person really thinking hard and trying to innovate and really struggling with uh, uh, scratching their head and really uh, nailing it to, to get really working hard at, at becoming innovative. But yet you suggest it's really more about lightening up. It's about lightening up, but lightening up in the society that we live in isn't a natural skill that we have anymore. People mm -hmm. who, um, who study spirituality maybe spend a decade, maybe two decades if they're our age, um, trying to learn how to clear the cobwebs out of your mind just to be peaceful and quiet and present. And that's when the answers come to you and you know these days at google at google one of the by far the most creative uh, companies on the planet today there they have they put aside uh time there are groups of employees put who put aside time for meditation and then they've brought tibetan buddhists in to meditate with them and people who study the mind scientists who study the mind and it's interesting to me that there's a policy at google that the engineers who work there are required to spend 20% of their time on a project that they're passionate about, that they're interested in, that can also help the company. So you look at a company like Google, um, Genentech, certainly Apple Computer, these companies are set up to maximize the power of human consciousness and that's why they're so innovative, because they put an emphasis on this deep, deep, powerful and important source of innovation, which, just as you said, it, it comes out of true creativity. Of course, you have to work at it to a certain extent, but the true capacity to be present with a technological issue or a technological problem or an advertising problem is really about this creativity and that's why i talk about the new economy of consciousness now when john and i john Nesbitt and i introduced the megatrends books we talked about the shift from an industrial society to an information society i am saying now that the information society is slowly drawing to a close and in its place is the new economy of consciousness where human consciousness cultivating it fostering it, nurturing it, getting it to work is the source of innovation and therefore of corporate wealth. The book is called Megatrends 2010. It's the rise of conscious capitalism and our special guest here on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is Patricia Aberdeen out of Boston this weekend. Back with more in just a minute. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? 
It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. So much to talk about with Patricia Aberdeen out of Boston, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Uh, Patricia, so good to have you on the show. Welcome back. It's completely my pleasure to be on the show, and I thought about something during the break, which is that we have to remind people that if, they're, if they don't want to read a book, um, they should get the wonderful audio program of Megatrends 2010 by well, that's Sounds true. true, which is also available on Amazon. There you, go. you know you're in the car so much, and you just pop it in, and there you yeah. go. That's true, and uh, Sounds yeah, well spoken uh, as well. That's right. And you'll hear the author read as you hear her today. You'll hear her read her book. Uh, SoundsTrue.com is a place to go. Uh, Deidre Sidoris was very nice with SoundsTrue Publishing to set up today's interview. Uh, check out sounds, uh, SoundsTrue.com for more information. Or, as you say, Patricia, Amazon.com will have an audio copy as well. You know, a lot of our listeners are all about understanding the consumer coming out of advertising, marketing, branding, etc. And the chapter uh, that you attribute to, uh, or title, I should say, the values, that's plural, values-driven consumer, I found very uh, intriguing and interesting. And we're going to talk about, we've got a lot to cover in this segment. So very briefly, start by defining what is a values-driven consumer, Patricia. A values-driven consumer is somebody who makes most of their purchasing decisions, if not all of their purchasing decisions, based on their values. And when I talk about this to groups, when I talk about the values-driven consumer, I, I start with the statistic that you and I hear in the business news all the time, which is that 70% of the GDP is attributable to consumer spending. We hear this all the time. But what does it really mean? It means that we as consumers have a lot more power than we sometimes give ourselves credit for in the business world. And that's especially true when it comes to, uh, to conscious capitalism. And so values-driven consumers are people who want to buy products that reflect the values that they hold dear, values like sustainability. Those are the people out there buying the hybrid cars. Uh, values like health. They're the people who go and spend extra money on organic food at Wild Oats or at Whole Foods or at your, the local mom-and-pop health food store. People who care about safety. 
Um, I always I always think it's so interesting um, the way Volvo, for example, has has built their advertising campaigns around the issue of safety. Um, and you you might even forget they do such a good job on it that you might even forget that they built some cars that are pretty that are also pretty green. So if you want you as a company want to attract the values-driven consumer. You can't just offer a value proposition. You've got to offer a values proposition. And what I always say to corporations when I'm out there on the lecture circuit talking to them is, what are the values of your customers? Do you know what the values of your customers are? Most of them don't. Yeah, most, most of them don't. Don't. <laughs> don't have a clue. And, you know, you bring that up in your book and you suggest maybe you need to go out and find out what those values are and begin to bring that into your uh, corporate uh, branding effort. I've often, uh, when I first heard that, I thought, how about looking at a demographic cell, Patricia, that you're not currently reaching but yet fits within your uh, uh, customer target and look at what it is that they value and what you could maybe change about your company to attract that group to your organization or your products. Absolutely right, absolutely right. McDonald's was having a very rough time of it a few years back. Uh, Their sales were flat. They were pretty much going nowhere. Their market cap was sinking. And so they decided to have some focus groups. What a good idea. And so they brought in these moms. And the, the mom said, well, yeah, your food's cheap, it's convenient, but I feel so guilty shop, uh, stopping at, at McDonald's because the food is, well, excuse me, junk food, and I don't <laughs> want to be buying it for my kids. Hmm. Well, this was a revelation for McDonald's. And then they went off on their salads and granola and um, yogurt and, and um, apples for breakfast thing, and their, um, the value of their brand, according to that brand, that annual brand issue that, that uh, Business Week puts out every year, increased 6%. Hmm. You know, uh, let, let's hold Whole Foods up for as a great example of catering to the value-driven consumer. But they got it right from the very beginning, didn't they? Well, I mean, well, if you're going to be um, trying to stock as many organic uh, brands as you possibly can, of course you're going to get it right because that, or, that, that consumer is very health-oriented. They care about their health. It's a very, very positive, very important thing for them. So, yeah, they got it right from the beginning. But, but, but you also talk about how they, uh, that that goes beyond just the products they're offering, that it's how they treat their people, uh, their employees, and their role in making the company a success. You bring up a very, very important point, and I often talk to talk to corporations about that, which is that people aren't people aren't stupid. <laughs> I know some people some people don't hold that view, but I am one of one who says, "God, consumers are so sophisticated." And if you you can't sell me uh, uh, that that your that this is your approach that that you believe in sustainability, that you believe in health. If you don't have a um, an energy policy that reflects that, just to just to give you one example, so yes, you've got to walk the talk. And when it comes to conscious capitalism, you know that the, the values driven consumer is this very very important part of the whole nature of conscious capitalism because it's interactive, because it's investors who are probably maybe 
today socially responsible investors. It's consumers and it's visionary business leaders who are running their businesses in a new and innovative way. It's not just the, you know, wonderful CEO. It's a big mix of stakeholders. And, and so the, you've, go you've got to get it right. And as, just as you suggest, your culture and the values of your company have to reflect the values that you're trying to sell the consumer. On that note, we say go get the book uh, because we are out of time for this segment. Patricia, it's uh, been a pleasure. Patricia Aberdeen out of Boston. The book is called Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Go find out more about that and go get one, too. Thanks for being with us today, Patricia. My pleasure. And um, it's, it's just great to talk to you. And as I said again, I love to talk to people in advertising because they've really got to be tuned into the trends. We'll be Thank back you, with more in just a minute on The Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising.